Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. You know the drill. If you haven't already, we would super appreciate it if you go leave us a rating and a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We love to read these. We love to get better. And we love that it helps other listeners like you find our podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Ben Trueblood, here today with Katie Wiley. Hello. Nathan Howard. What's up? Both in the room. And we're super excited for a conversation with John Paul Basham today, a name that you will recognize, I'm sure. That's right. Our faithful listeners will recognize John Paul as a longtime host of the Student Ministry Podcast, and we are excited to welcome him back today. John Paul serves as the manager of Lifeway Student Ministry Publishing, and he served in the local church for 10 years before coming on staff at Lifeway and has a deep passion for the work of the church and its mission to make disciples. So, John Paul, super glad you're here. Thanks for uh, carving out the time. Just to clear up any... Like, John Paul still works at Lifeway. Like, he's still with us, leads our publishing team, as Katie just said in the bio. So we get to have conversations with good friends today, and we're excited to have you. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. So anything uh, that you would like to add uh, to what people should know about you, um, fun facts, interesting things, other than the work stuff, just in case there are new people trickling in that may not that may not know you? Man, just... Uh, Boiling it down to the basics, I am married, been married to Crystal for, hmm, 14 years. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Let me think about that one. We've got four kids, seven, six, two, and one, so we've got two two little pairs running around our house of siblings, um, and that's, that's kind of a breakdown of our family. I love it. <laughs> but love we've it. loved being at Lifeway, man. It's been an, an exciting turn uh, for us. I, I always look back at what I thought we would do in ministry and Lifeway was never a part of it. It's This is a role that, man, I've said many times, I uh, have never felt qualified for, much like the role of student pastor. <laughs> but as, uh, as the Lord opened doors, we walk through them and, and we get to enjoy what he allows us to do and what he empowers us to do. And so that's been our that's been our journey for the last six years. Yeah. Well, man, I you're not alone in that sentiment. I have had those feelings about my own roles many times along the way. Uh, in the last year, that has come up a good bit. And just thinking about, okay, I don't understand all that's going into leading this right now, but we are going to work through it. Um, well, we wanted to have John Paul on today uh, to talk about um, discipleship and to talk about the use of curriculum and resources in the discipleship process of your ministry. Now, before you click off and say like, hey, this is just going to be a big commercial, let me go ahead and say it's not that. You've heard us say on the podcast over and over and over that, yes, we think what we do in terms of LifeWay Students Publishing is amazing. We would love for you to check it out. We believe it can serve you well. But at the end of the day, this podcast is not a commercial for publishing resources. It is a This podcast is a resource to you. So as we talk about this, yes, we want you to check out our stuff, but the things that we talk about— are going to be applicable for you in whatever you choose. We want to be a resource for you, regardless of what you choose in terms of publishing resources and curriculum along the way. Okay, so uh, this is not just going to be a commercial about that. We're going to talk about some things that you can do to make the most of the curriculum that you choose. But there will be a curriculum commercial later in this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's just not the whole thing. Yeah. And and we're going to give you a heads up about when that even is going to come. Yes. So, uh, but let's start off, John Paul, uh, and just help us identify like the elements of a great Bible study material because there there really are a lot of options out there. Uh, and longtime listeners of the podcast will know that John Paul and I served together at a church before coming to Lifeway, and we wrote our own Bible study material for a lot of the things that we did there. Um, and so there, there are a myriad of options as people are looking out there and saying, okay, how do I know what a good curriculum or Bible study material is? What are kind of the marks that you look for in, as you lead our publishing area and as you diagnose, Hey, this is a good thing. And as from a student perspective, that was hard to say, man. So I've had some really good conversations around this with some of the people at Lifeway. I think back to coming on to Lifeway at the very beginning of my journey here and talking to some of the people that have been developing curriculum for years at Lifeway. And one of the things that was said to me about developing a strong curriculum is that it has to be, it, it, it should be well-rounded. And so you think about like your diet that we hear all the time. You need a good balance of fruits and vegetables carbs and proteins and regardless of all the diet has right to say kick out this one or kick out that one uh we know even that only works for a little while right it's only beneficial for a season and you always end up coming back to this idea of what is well-rounded what is overall healthy and bible study i think is very much the same you can dig into for a season something that is very pointedly theological in nature but in the end, you're going to need more than that to be able to disciple your students in a, in a healthy way. They're going to have to have a fuller view of the picture of Scripture, of the, the, the big picture, the meta narrative of what the Bible is teaching. So when I think about a strong curriculum, one of the first things I think about is what is the balance of topics and teaching and engagement with Scripture and dive into theological concepts? And how is it built? You know, what, what's it built on? What are the bones of the thing? How is it going to deliver that? And that allows you to kind of come to the conclusion of, okay, if I stick with this curriculum for a long period of time and my students and leaders are plugged into this and, and dedicated to this plan, what am I going to be developing hmm. in both my leaders and my students? You know, what is not to think about this in, in too much of an impersonal way, but what's the product at the end of three years in this piece of curriculum? And I think that's an important way to evaluate any curriculum. What, what is going to be the fruit? What's going to be um, the measurable outcome of my student's spiritual walk having engaged in conversation through this piece of the curriculum? If it's lopsided on one side or the other, then you have a much larger conversation about where am I going to get the other pieces or am I leaving the other pieces completely out? Yeah, man, that's such a good thing to consider because I think a lot of times, and we've, we've talked to students, and this is not a, this is not a like negative statement about any people, but it's just something that sometimes we slip into in student ministry. And that is, the choice of a curriculum is not aligned with the discipleship goals that you've set out for your student ministry. And it's almost like this, I'm going to set up my preaching schedule and my sermon series to reach a certain discipleship outcome, 
But for the curriculum side of things, I'm just going to pick something and slot it in there and hope that it works. Right. And I think there are so many more factors, you know, once you, so let's say, okay, you're in that position where you've just slotted something in for a while and you're now at a point of analysis. Maybe just now as you're listening to the podcast, deciding what is my curriculum actually delivering? Yeah. I think that leads you to that place of, does this curriculum have a clear direction? You know, can, can I put my finger on where this curriculum is headed or does it feel shotgun style? You know, does it, does it feel like it's delivering on any certain promise? And so, and, and that's something not, not to give the commercial, but that's something that we try to do in our in our curriculums, you know, specifically in our ongoing lines, we have three very specific directions that each line of ongoing curriculum goes in. So there's a promise that we're delivering on in that direction as we look at uh, well-rounded Bible study. So what is the direction when you're when you're choosing? Uh, you have to know where is this headed? What's the point? Is there a style to how this curriculum uh, is being taught? Is there a certain angle that either complements what I'm doing? Um, well, that complements what you're doing in, in one of two directions. Either it's very different from the other things that you're doing. So it's providing that well-roundedness in that way that it's working alongside something else to give that full picture, or it's fully complementing in that you know, topical versus exegetical, exegetical, let's say. Our church is a topical style church. So I either want a curriculum that's going to deliver in that way because that's the flavor of our church, or I want a curriculum that's going to deliver in a different way to counter what they're getting in other, in other environments. But what's the direction? Um, man, I would say, so this is basic, but another one would just be Bible study. Not all curriculums are made equal when you talk about the amount of biblical content and the, the depth to which that biblical content is engaged with. So do you have a curriculum that has a clear direction and has a clear foundation in the scripture? And the answer to that question may be no, if you dig into the curriculum that you're using right now. Yeah. That is, you said, you preface that with this is super basic or this is really basic to think about, but man, it is. And like I would say, one of the things just as a student pastor to consider is, do you read the lessons that you hand your teachers? So like, if you're not writing your own and you, you use a curriculum, you partner with somebody, us or somebody else, are you also, if you're not teaching, are you also involved in reading that? And making sure that you know what's going, what your teachers are getting ready to teach, especially if they chose it themselves. Yeah, if it didn't come from you, do you know what your leaders are choosing? Right, like if your leaders are are if you've taken the approach of, man, you can pick from this list or pick whatever you want. Do, do you know? Do you know what? Uh, and John Paul, when we walked into a situation where we served together, that that first part is is the way it was going. Is teachers were left open to really pick whatever they wanted. And that, that was one of the, one of the first things we did was kind of align everybody on a singular path. 
Do you remember what was going on in the very first two classrooms that we walked into? <laughs> I don't remember the exact situation. I remember there was one where uh, they just weren't there. And there was, uh, <laughs> they had decided to meet outside under one of the pavilions. And no, we just didn't know about it. But you you have a story here. I, I'm excited <laughs> to be remember, reminded. Well. Yeah, that was that was in the ta- the first couple of weeks that we had guests coming and and nobody knew where that class actually <laughs> was. Uh, the very first two classrooms that that I walked into, and I'm trying to remember if we walked in there together. I feel like we probably would have, but the first two classrooms we walked into, one of them were going through vacation pictures. There was just this huge stack of pictures. And they were just walking through the pictures. And that was the plan for the day that we were going to look at pictures. Hey, my girls have been really curious and I just thought we'd connect over some things that I got to do on vacation. Like, okay. For 60 minutes. That's what you were planning to do. Great. <laughs> the other one, we walked in about 15 minutes into the lesson and they were playing hangman because they had finished the lesson. And that's what they did to fill the rest of their time. And that was a great contributor to Ben and I saying, okay, we're going to need a hard shift. (laughs) It was a man. I, uh, I, I appreciate that memory so much. I do remember the hangman now. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with hangman, but if you're going 15 minutes a lesson and 45 of hangman, there's probably something, uh, something out of balance there. And one of the things, like, I'll say this for myself. Uh, I don't want to, uh, implicate John Paul on this. But one of the things that I know, uh, as we started to write our own and implement some of these things, one of the things I know that I could have done better was with the leader's connection to the curriculum and understanding the why behind we were, why we were choosing to write it ourselves, why we chose the topics that we did to help them understand this is the format you're going to get this in. And this is what you do with every minute of your time. Uh, as I look back, that's one of the things that stands out to me that I could have done a great deal better on in those, especially in those early days of the preparation and the training to implement any curriculum that we chose to use, chose to use one because it was a shift from what they'd been doing. It was going to be uncomfortable based on the what they were already functioning in, and so uh, learn from that mistake. If you're listening to this podcast, the training and the what you do to set up the implementation of a curriculum is absolutely important. So, like I said, I didn't want to implicate John Paul on that. I know I could have done better in that area specifically. Hey, we were, we were both in that together. Uh, I'll, I'll take my share. So uh, to continue to answer your question, another big piece that I think has to be evaluated when you're choosing a, a curriculum is application. Yeah. What is the application like? How strong is it? And a lot of that is going to come out of, it's going to stem directly from the level of actual Bible study that has been done over the course of that lesson. So if there's not any meat in the lesson to begin with, there's not going to be a whole lot to apply from. Yeah. There's always plenty to apply to. 
But where that application is coming from and how that is driving understanding of Scripture into the heart of that student and into the daily practice of that student's faith uh, is, is a big indicator of whether or not that curriculum is as strong as you need it to be or not. And unfortunately, there are a lot of curriculums out there that student pastors feel like, well, I should say this. There's no one curriculum that's perfect for everybody. Yeah. So any curriculum, uh, the, the best possible product that LifeWay students could could put out there um, with all the confidence in the world that it's going to be an incredible tool for student ministry leaders, even that tool is going to have to be adapted sometimes in some contexts because nobody can make one tool that fits every scenario. But if you look at the overall picture of a curriculum and that application is not driving your students to understand scripture and to apply that scripture in a practical way in their life, then it's not going to be worth the time spent for your leaders to study and prepare and use that in that little tiny limited amount of time that they have with students to disciple them. Yeah, man, you bring up a great point that I want to, that I want to go back to, and that's the one size fits all. And it's going to take a little bit of work to find the study that fits your context and what you want to see the outcomes, like you mentioned at the very beginning, that what's the discipleship outcome? How's that going to fit into our ministry plan? And then you 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 mentioned that not one there's not a curriculum that's going to work for every single ministry everywhere. So it's going to take a little bit of work to find the right one for you. And you walk into a store, uh, and there are going to be fitting rooms. And if you're unsure about how some clothes are going to fit, or as, as a pastor that we were a suit of clothes, you're unsure how your clothes are going to fit. You're going to walk in, you're going to try them on. It's why a lot of places you, if you order online, you can send stuff back if it doesn't fit. Right. And so there's this trying on that, that needs to happen for people to really find the right fit. So I would love to hear you mention just some things of like, how do we know? So say somebody has done everything you've talked about and they've worked through that process and they said, okay, this is our discipleship outcome. This is where we want to go. Like we're, we're confident in this. Now we need to try it on. How do they know if that curriculum's a good fit? I think part of that equation is understanding what you actually need. And, and that's not always the case for ministry leaders when they're approaching this question of, does this actually work for my ministry? There, there is a, uh, there's a work that has to be done by a strategic leader to understand the cultural dynamics of that group and what they need. What's yeah. this community like? What are these kids like? What, what is family life like? Are there different segments of the, you know, there's some churches that are very cookie cutter. You, we reach this kind of audience on, every, you know, to every side of, um, the spectrum of what family life could be like and what community life could be like. So I think the first step is just understanding what your kids actually need. The other thing is understanding where your church is headed. So what's the direction of the ministry overall? Is this fitting that direction or is this completely countercultural to, to the direction that your pastor is leading you? And then I think you can get to that real analysis of just speaking to your leaders and creating a, uh, 
a forum for continual conversation mm -hmm. to have feedback with your leaders. How's this landing in the group? You know, do the questions that come out of this curriculum actually drive conversation? Do you connect with it? Does, you know, um, let's say you are using a curriculum in a very urban context. Does this curriculum fit the life experience that your students living in city life are having from day to day? Or, or are you having to work nonstop to be able to contextualize the curriculum to be able to reach your students yeah. and vice versa? So I think there's a lot of pieces there that just require uh, a deep knowledge of your people and their needs. Yeah. I like the continuous feedback loop, um, being willing to, to hear and, and provide space for leaders to be able to talk about that. And I think the leader component of this is a big one. What are some ways that you would set up leaders to win with a curriculum? I mean, ultimately, in the in the majority of cases, they're going to be the ones de like delivering it in the trench kind of experience. Yeah. Well, I think not just dropping a curriculum in their lap and saying, "Hey, go teach this" is important. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. So, training them on, "Hey, here's the here's the point. I picked this curriculum for all these reasons. Let me lay them out for you and tell you why, so you can be on the same page with me. This is going to deliver on." X, Y, Z objectives. And so this is where we're headed with it. And this is how we plan to use it is a big deal. And then just getting into the, the, the bare bones of the study. How is it broken down? What are you going to see first? You know, so maybe you're going to see the main point and the scripture first. So leaders, what do you think is the very first thing that you should do while you prepare this lesson? It's probably spend some time just reading that text and that main point and praying and asking the Lord to begin to speak into your own soul, how that main point rises out of that text and why it's important and how you should interact with it yourself before you ever get into the, into the different pieces of content. But then, you know, if there are intro options at the beginning, you know, how to choose the right one, how, mm -hmm. how to, how to pick an intro option that, um, you, you have leaders with different personalities. So some of them are going to say, man, I want the crafty one, you know, and, and I have girls in my group that love a craft. So if there's something where I can bring different pieces and put something together and kind of that, you know, physical, like touch learning uh, activity, my kids really resonate with, maybe you need to help them identify those that are going to really resonate well. Um and then getting into the teaching piece. I think there's always the, the conversation that you have to have with leaders like, hey, I don't want your kids to just listen to you talk for 60 minutes. Yeah. So how do you prepare ahead of time to be able to prompt your students to think and respond and have conversation around what's in this curriculum versus you just reading giant blocks of commentary and hoping that they take that in and are transformed <laughs> by it. Yeah, man, it is, uh, it is a true statement. We've said it before on the podcast that small group ministry, the discipleship ministry is never really a set it and forget it type of experience. Yeah. And I think many times 
we we can treat it that way. Uh, we don't mean to. I don't think it's a purposeful like, man, I never have to do anything with that again. Like, I don't think it's it's that. But I, I do think sometimes we, we say, okay, as long as there are leaders in the chairs and a curriculum is delivered at some point during the week for them to be able to read it once before they teach, then we really are fulfilling. We're checking the boxes that we need to. But you've just lined out several ways that take a week by week or at least month by month check-in training, talking about teaching. And I think sometimes we forget to realize that not every person we recruit comes on board as an excellent teacher of things. And that that's something that can be developed and should be developed along the way with leaders. Yeah. Should be, I think is, is important. Yeah. I think that's a, that's something that falls by the wayside sometimes because it takes time to prepare leader training. Yeah, it does. And honestly, there's a lot of there's a lot of us out there that didn't have somebody pour into us and teach us how to effectively lead a small group. Yep. So in some cases, I mean, I know that I have felt before like, man, I'm the blind leading the blind here. I'm just bold enough to step out here and try. I mean, that's yeah, <laughs> you know, the difference is that I felt God telling me that you should go do this right now. And, and I obeyed and went and did it. But beyond that, man, how many times have I gone to a leader and said, what do you think about this? I'm looking for some advice. Yeah. So I think just acknowledging uh, in those moments with your leaders, hey, this is, we, we're all growing in this. We're all getting better in this. And I'm not necessarily the expert in this space, but there are a lot of experts out there that we can glean knowledge from and learn from together. So I think just approaching it from that headspace will help a leader not to get intimidated with it. Yeah. Not to be overwhelmed by having to put on some giant, super polished, you know, quarterly training every year for their leaders. But maybe it's more like a 15 minute conversation once a month with your leaders where you're just saying, Hey, Here's three things I want you to grab. I got it out of this book. It's fantastic. If you want to go get it and read it, that's great. But let's just focus on a few things and then have a feedback loop. How are groups going? How can we help? How can we pray for you? How can we support one another? And then as people voice those concerns, man, look around the room. Who in here can speak to that? You know, has anybody else experienced that? And I think that Building that community of trust and training and togetherness in a pursuit of discipleship is something that can really activate kind of a, a momentum as a, as a community of teachers. Yeah. Man, you mentioned uh, just asking the teachers, hey, what do you think about this? Bringing other people involved and getting, getting their opinions. That's even different than a training environment, right? Like that's, that's being willing to say, hey, I'm not sure I have the right answer here. This is the way I'm leaning and this is why, but I need your help in bringing some clarity to that for me because I'm unsure. Yeah. And like I know for me, when I, when I first stepped into my first student pastor leadership role, like I was so fearful that an I don't know 
or if people perceived that I didn't have a clear direction, then that was a sign of leadership weakness and that that unclear feeling would lead to everything else. And I think that was a wrong outlook. Like, I think there's a place for confidence. People want a confident leader and they are looking for vision and direction and mission and all of those things. Like, I believe that. But I think what I misunderstood is that you can have confidence in all of those things and still say, I need some input here because I want this to be the best it can be. And I'm unsure if what I'm thinking about is the best, most clear way to do this. Yeah. And that actually builds in like that and what you're describing with the 15 minutes and get like continual input that builds ownership in the leaders in a way that a leader just leading and saying, this is what we're doing does not build. I think there's a lot of value too in having voices, um, from the leaders who are in it week in and week out, whereas you may be a little more personally removed from the week to week lessons that your Mm -hmm. leaders might be able to provide some insight that you wouldn't necessarily have. That's right. That's exactly right. Those leaders are the ones that are around the table with those kids. Like you said, week in and week out and have a true pulse of those five, 10, 20 kids, whatever your groups are set up just because of life on life relationship. And I think it's important to weigh those experiences heavily. Also too, as a, so my experience as a student pastor was um, not from the perspective of somebody that had teenagers in my home. So leaning into the expert parenting expertise of leaders in your group that actually have teenagers to say, hey, I communicate with two-year-olds you know, when, when I'm not here doing this. Yeah. So you tell me what is, how does this actually land when it gets home? You know, how, how does this actually contribute to the dinnertime conversation that I'm encouraging you to have? You know, does this actually do what I think it's doing or would you redirect this some as someone with daily experience with teenagers in your home? That's something that I was afraid to do because I didn't want to be seen as somebody who wasn't an expert with teenagers. But the truth is there were many people in the ministry that were, should have been uh, considered more of an expert with teenagers than me. Man, me too. Uh, This is like the airing of what we should have done day. (laughs) (laughs) But in the hopes that you as a listener to the podcast would go, man, like I see a little bit of that happening or to just avoid it, to to avoid it entirely would be the, would be the ideal scenario there. So we've talked so far, just a a quick recap in uh, elements of a good Bible study material, uh, how to know it's a right fit for your ministry. And then some things that you can do to help leaders win in that feedback loop and involving them and training them. Uh, in the, in the right fit, if you are seeing, a, now listen, I, I would say like it is a pain to swap out curriculum like midstream. Like it, it's not easy. You're going to have to answer questions on why are we doing this now instead of this. And like there are some things you're going to have to tackle. My opinion would be is if you're hearing from people and you're starting to notice, okay, this isn't working, like this isn't a good fit. 
it's better to go ahead and make that decision and, and get into something that's working than to just keep the stubbornness of, man, I don't want to walk through all of that work again in implementing a new thing. Uh, and so, John Paul, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And I think a side shoot of this conversation is also you're not going to please everybody. Like if you're, if, if you, as you look at the, your leadership, all of your volunteer leaders, chances are there are going to be some things that you choose that the majority of them like, and there's still some people that just can't connect with it, but you know, it's the right direction. So just because you hear one person say, man, I don't think this is working. We as leaders have to diagnose that situation and do more research and say, okay, what do I need to do to help this person get on board? Or, man, this person's just not connecting with it and here's why. So, uh, John Paul, how would you look at that kind of situation in the feedback loop? If you're hearing a mixed bag, group of people that's saying, yes, this is awesome, group of people that's saying, man, I'm really struggling with this, how would you navigate that situation? Because it may not be that it's time to switch in that moment. Man, I think this goes back to an understanding that in student ministry, you should always be headed for the long play. It's, it's very rare that, that it's healthier to have the short term in mind as a priority over the long term. So it's incredibly difficult to evaluate something that changes every month hmm. or every two months. That's right. You just, you're just, it's a moving, you can't evaluate a moving target other than to say, Hey, we have a moving target and we don't have a whole lot of points to evaluate because we've changed so much. And that's part of the slow death of so many student ministries. When you have student pastor after student pastor after student pastor, and the students just dwindle there's no consistency. There's nothing for students to fall into a rhythm with. There's nothing for leaders to feel like, man, this is a safe place for me to plug in and serve. Yeah. So if your curriculum is changing all the time, you're probably never going to get to the place where you can actually see if a thing is working mm. or not. To address the some leaders liking it and some leaders not. I think often that comes down to vision casting because if leaders just, we're all going to approach different things with our own preference and our own preference is driven by our background. So whatever we've done up until that point is going to drive whether or not our first impression of a thing is good or bad. And often if it's a bad first impression, your leaders are going to say, without you casting vision and speaking into why this is good, they're going to say for the rest of the time that they're in that curriculum, I don't really like this. Mm. So I think that's the place where the student ministry leader has to lean in and say, this is why this is good. And there still might be some people that aren't on board necessarily, but I have seen that kind of person find it within themselves to say, listen, even though this isn't my favorite, because you've laid out the plan, I can come along with this. Yeah. And that's important. And there are those leaders and, and some of those leaders will just say, I can't go with you. And sometimes those are the leaders that you just say, okay, well, let's find you something else to do. Mm -hmm. it, you know, that's hopefully that's not the case with the majority, 
But more often than not, if you can express the plan and if you can explain how it works and why you want it to work that way and how they're to engage with it, um, it, it really comes down to little things like, oh, I, I didn't know that piece. Thank you for explaining this to me. Now that I know how this works, I see the value in it. So, man, I, I think that's step number one, two, three, four, and five <laughs> before you ever get to, okay, maybe we should shift because there's some dissatisfied leaders in, in the space. Yeah. Along those same lines, uh, how do you measure success? You're, you've implemented, you're doing the things that we've talked about, you're training leaders, you're staying in contact with them. How do you measure success along the way based how students are responding or growing or a part of that discipleship environment? Well, this, so I'm going to answer that by speaking to something that I wanted to make sure and say today. Great. <laughs> so hopefully I actually answer this question. <laughs> I think often student pastors feel the need to bounce around because we want to keep things fresh. Mm. And we feel like, man, if we stay in this too long, students are going to get bored with it. It's going to get stale. I'm going to lose their interest and they're going to go somewhere else. And I think what we, when, when I think about evaluating whether or not something is working, we have to think again about what the goal is. What do we want to work? The goal in discipling your student, a goal in discipling your students should be that they're comfortable with the word of God. Mm. And so if you are using a curriculum and your, your leaders are able to use that curriculum effectively to make your students comfortable with the word of God, that they understand what it actually is saying, what, what's the big picture, what's the narrative of scripture, and they understand how, you know, even just beginning to understand how some of this is stitched together so that the story of Noah's Ark, you know, and the story of the uh, parting the Red Sea actually come together, you know, and they're not just kids stories that are out floating around here as two totally different narratives, but all of a sudden we're seeing how those come together um, and how all of that links to everything that Paul does in the New Testament and, and everything. When we're able to see those things come together and students begin to understand that and leaders begin to feel even comfortable articulating those things, then I think we start to get a feel of whether or not something is um, being used effectively in our ministry. Mm. I think where this comes back to bouncing around is that we're very often not going to get to a place that's truly effective when we bounce around. Yeah. Um, and I think we bounce around because we lose sight of that ultimate goal. Listen, when they leave our ministries and they're grown adults and they're leading families and, and we have this hope that one day they're going to be leading them effectively and discipling their own kids effectively, they're not going to be doing that with a piece of student ministry curriculum in their hands. Mm. They're going to be doing that with the Bible in their hands. Yeah. So, to bounce around because we want to keep something fresh all the time kind of gave this long way of truly helping them to come, come to a place where they have fallen in love with the Bible. Mm. That's the end goal. So the way that I used to say this uh, for the longest time is 
is Jesus on their lips? That that's the evaluator. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a point where I always think about the middle school kid that takes 10 minutes of your time to talk about their last gaming session. There's a, there's a very clear point at which that middle schooler starts to shift in conversation sometimes. Middle school or high school or any kid. The conversations that they're excited to have with you, when those conversations begin to shift or those conversations with their leaders begin to shift and you start to see Jesus is on their lips more and more. Things of God are on their mind more and more. They're filtering why they do things through what God is calling them to more and more. That is one of the biggest measures for me as to whether or not your ministry is having a real impact on the life of that student. Well, we let you know when we would be coming with the actual ad. And so you're about to hear it, but don't go anywhere yet. We'll be right back after this short message for a little bit more conversation on today's topic. Speaking of Bible studies, if you're looking for a new one, we'd love the opportunity to serve you with a selection from our short-term or ongoing options. Whether you're looking for a six-week study, a one-year study, or something you can do every single week, we have trustworthy Bible study options in both print and digital formats. Visit lifeway.com students to download samples and find your next study. Well, welcome back. Well, I told you it'd be a short ad. It's a good one. It's great. It's a short one, but uh, some good stuff from John Paul today. And um, just somebody that I really enjoy, have enjoyed working with through the years, knows his stuff on discipleship. And I hope this has been a beneficial, uh, ultra practical conversation today. Every single student pastor has to wrestle with this issue. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a small thing that has that is to be wrestled with. And I'm, I'm so glad that John Paul was able to put some language and some steps along the way for that very, very important decision. Nathan, let's start with you. Mm-hmm. What you got for, uh, what do we learn today? Man, learn today that I probably should have done a lot of this differently as well. But <laughs> So I, I would love to say something about that because I, I often have similar thoughts when we're diving into something. And I can go back to points in my ministry and think, man, I could have done that Better, And I've had the thought several times uh, since stepping away from student ministry and taking a view over all of what student ministry is. I've walked away with, okay, I could have done this and this and this and this or tightened this up. Uh, So I'm not advocating every student pastor to take a year off and then get back into (laughs) it. But I do. It has been a healthy experience for me. And so maybe one of the takeaways, Nathan, in Mm -hmm. that of man, I could have done so many things differently, is to just student pastor, just carve some time out for you to say, if I were to take a step away from youth ministry and start all over again, what are some things that I would change about what I'm currently doing? I think we can get so wrapped up in taking care of the here and now of student ministry that we miss some of the fundamental basic things that can be happening along the way that'll really help. Yeah, I totally agree. I think for me, one of the things I didn't do well that I really liked how John Paul put it, but I didn't I didn't really have a I had a feedback loop somewhat, but that was when the person said, Hey, I want to talk to you about this lesson. They was, initiated it. They initiated it. it. Yeah. And, and they knew they could always talk to me about that, but it wasn't like me checking in on them. It wasn't and I didn't also like I didn't read through all of the lessons to know like, oh, I need to provide 
whether or not this was like crayons and something for them to do this activity with, right right you know like i just hey that i just provided it like i mean i did have kind of a scope and sequence i had a plan kind of where we wanted to go but i didn't really do much in this way of that feedback loop but i think that's really really important just to know where where your, your teachers are because i was thinking about it, as john paul was saying whenever you're evaluating that curriculum, if you have, and you've got that feedback loop going and you hear a bunch of people start saying the same thing, then you can realize, oh, this is an element. Like, is it, then you can start asking those questions. Do we need to shift this curriculum to something else? Or is it maybe, maybe this curriculum does this one aspect a little bit weaker and together we can kind of dive in. Maybe it's like you talked about culture, making it a little bit more culturally relevant. Everybody's like, man, these activities just don't quite line up or these applications just don't quite fit the context. But the, like the, the main bulk of the lesson is super solid and maybe it's okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I need to do a little bit of work as a student pastor and I'll help provide a little bit additional resource on this to help fit that context. And maybe it's not a whole curriculum shift. Maybe it's just, we need to look at this little aspect of that. So I really like how he talked about that. And I love the whole Jesus on your lips thing. Yeah. Right. It's good. So, yeah, that was my thought, Ben, to your point of it's not really practical to take a whole year off to evaluate, but that the importance of evaluation and, the key role that feedback plays in evaluation. Yeah. Um, and I like what John Paul tied in as far as like, it's not, it's not that you should constantly be changing, but I think it helps you evaluate your leadership and how you're leading your leaders to really make the most of the curriculum that you provide. Um, and that again, you can have measurables over a longer period of time. If you just stay in it, uh, you can really see, is it a curriculum issue? Is it a training issue? Is it a relationships issue? Is it a model mm -hmm. issue? Yeah, those were my main takeaways there. Man, it's really hard to have fresh eyes. And I think that's what yeah. stepping out of the local church and into what I do now in leading the LifeWay students team allowed me to have is fresh eyes on student ministry. And it's hard to get that when you're sitting in the middle of it. And that evaluation and feedback loop from your leaders can often help you take steps towards having those fresh eyes. So hopefully you'll have some time this year, student ministry person, to get some fresh eyes on what you do. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by LifeWay. We'll see you next week.